What Remains Inside. Chapter 3 Kathy picked me up in her Buick. She waited outside for me to come after a couple of short, gentle honks on the horn. She looked worried, a worried look that grown-ups have, not teenagers. I knew without her telling me that this look was because her mother had died when she was 13. She was the one who had taken care of her mother every day for a year before she died of cancer. I knew that Kathy could act like a grown-up and handle grown-up problems because her mother was sick for so long and because she was the only one who was there to take care of her. I knew it was because her father didn't let her be a child, but relied on her to become an adult and handle all of that pain by herself. Kathy had rarely talked to me about her mother, except for a week before when I was throwing up. I had said, I'm sorry, and she told me she had seen a lot of throwing up when her mother had gone through chemo. She had told me that she used to sit beside her mother on the bathroom floor and hold her thin, balding hair back while she vomited into the toilet. Her mother had no choice but to rely on Kathy. She hit the horn gently again. I walked out of the house and locked the front door. My mother was at work, so despite feeling sick about the EPT test and sick about Ryan Todd, I was somewhat calm. Kathy smiled at me as I got into the car. She started driving and I looked out the window for a long time without saying anything. The neighborhood passed in a numb blur and I wondered if there was a possibility that Ryan Todd would ever call to ask me out sometime. I had spent the past six weeks daydreaming about his call, how his voice would touch me the way he touched me after the party. He would give himself to me, would be generous with himself. I had imagined other things too, like helping him sell clam cakes at his father's stand to earn money for the Whalers, his football team. I had imagined us just sitting on the couch talking. Sometimes I even daydreamed about being his sister instead of his girlfriend. And I had imagined him loving me as an affectionate big brother. I imagined being a member of his family and what our home would be like. Saturday mornings, getting ready for sports games, pancakes before school. I imagined him at New Bedford High School protecting me. In all this time, Ryan never called me. He still always stared at me when he saw me. He still held the same fascination for me, looking at me, smiling, and a small wave while handing out clam cakes at Buttonwood Park. One time, we were both at another house party. Fleetwood Mac was blaring from another room. I was starting downstairs. He was at the bottom. His eyes watched as I walked down. It was such a long time just looking into each other's eyes that it felt as if he were touching me. I walked alone towards him, feeling as if I might faint because he stood perfectly still and silent at the bottom of the stairs, our eyes together the whole time. It felt silly not to be touching because we were always talking to each other with our eyes. Please don't fucking tell me you're thinking about Ryan Todd, Kathy said and lit Virginia Slim's light menthol. She jammed the cigarette lighter back into the hole in the dashboard. I didn't say anything because I felt a lump in my throat. I felt like I would cry if I said anything. Donna, he's going out with Stacy. He's been going out with Stacy for two years. He's not going to go out with you. Of course, I knew it was true. It was true in the real world. In the real world of high school, Stacy was a senior. She was a cheerleader. She sat by Ryan at lunch. After games, they held hands. So in the actual world, Stacy was Ryan's girlfriend. But there was this other world. What was it? 
It seemed more real than that world. We had sex. He told me he loved me. He'll probably marry her. I'm not thinking about going out with Ryan. Why are you being so stupid, Kathy? I'm pregnant. I'm trying to think about what I'm going to do if I should ask him for money. I definitely think you should call him and tell him. He should at least pay for half of it. If it was Stacy, he would pay for all of it and go with her. He is such a jerk. That was where Kathy was wrong. Ryan Todd was not a jerk. I think he's a nice guy. He says hi to me when he's selling clam cakes, I told her. At this, Kathy laughed. That's nice? Boy, you don't ask for much. She let out a heavy breath. I knew she thought I was stupid. You should call him and tell him you're pregnant. Even tell his parents. Tell his parents? Why? Because why should you have to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? How much is it? It was $250. My sister was going to give me half. Ryan would have to give me half. I was sure he would. How are you going to even get there? You can't drive. My sister's going to bring me with Nora and Keith. I don't even think you can have an abortion until you're 18. My sister said I can use her name. She said you have to be 17 and she's 17. I gave them her name. Kathy looked at me. 17, are you sure? Yeah. There was more silence and I lit a cigarette and blew the smoke out the window. I felt it rush to my head. Later that night, I called Ryan. Kathy had given me his number, and while I dialed, I tried to stop feeling scared so I could actually do it. I was more afraid to hear his voice, to want him, than I was to tell him about the abortion. I secretly hoped that when I called him, he might want to see me. I imagined that we would meet and talk it over. I thought maybe he would give me the money. Maybe we would have sex again. I walked past my mother's room where she was drunk and asleep. I stopped in her doorway and looked in. I could smell the rancid brandy smell she excreted as she snored. I could also smell her perfume dusting powder that she used every morning. Everything in her room had the faint smell of lavender and it was evident beneath the scent of alcohol. Her face looked pained. She wore an orangish foundation makeup and it was too dark for her skin color. Her tight Jordache jeans were unzipped and her nylon underpants could be seen. Her legs were together and she looked as if she had sat down, unzipped her jeans, leaned back and fallen asleep. It wouldn't have seemed real except I had witnessed the drunken scene earlier in the evening. She looked so artificial and seeing her like that, I might have thought she was playing some joke on me if I hadn't known she'd passed out. I knew she'd be passed out for most of the night this made the house eerily all mine. My brother Scott was sleeping around the corner at Nana's house. My sister Terry was out with her friends. So it was mom and me. She was there, but like a corpse. I could feel her presence, but for the time being, she no longer posed any threat to me. A girl answered the phone. It must have been Ryan's younger sister. Hello? Can I speak to Ryan, please? She was suspicious. Who's calling? It's Donna Barrow. There was silence, and I leaned my face close to the kitchen wall. I closed my eyes, and I waited for his voice. Finally, after some shuffling papers, he said, Donna? Hi, I said. Hi, I'm glad you called. I wanted to call you. I felt relieved because he was the kind of person that I thought he was. 
He was the same person. He was thinking of me too. I'm pregnant. He started to say something, then stopped. Then, how do you know it was me? That was a long time ago. I hadn't thought of it as a long time ago, as something that had passed. It was still happening. Even without being pregnant, it was happening. I was still thinking about him. He was still watching me and smiling. Even though it had been over a whole month, I thought it was just the beginning of something. No, I haven't been with anybody else. Oh. I leaned closer to the wall and closed my eyes. I could hear him breathing, and I remembered him touching me, asking me, Can I kiss you? Saying, I love you. Finally, he asked, What are you going to do? I'm going to have an abortion on Saturday. This Saturday? I wanted to see if you could give me half the money because my sister only has half and I don't want to tell my parents. How much is it? Half is 125. I can get that. There was another long pause and I took a deep breath. Thanks, I said. My cousin Mark's going to be at the park on Friday. He can meet you there and give you the money, okay? Maybe he could give it to my sister, I said. I started to hang up, and he added, Donna, I... I lifted the receiver slowly and placed it gently on the cradle. I hung up on Ryan Todd. I didn't say goodbye. I wasn't mad. I was just scared. I stood for a moment and looked at the phone. I felt numb again, and for a little while, I couldn't take my eyes off the phone. I knew that once I did, it would become the beginning of something bad, the end of the possibility of goodness. Suddenly I realized that I probably hadn't really been good after all. That feeling in the car wasn't my goodness. Maybe Ryan Todd had the power to make me good, to give me another life. But as nice of a person as he was, he wasn't going to use his power on me. I was alone. Even if Ryan Todd loved me, I didn't have any value. I was a mistake. A darkness and badness filled the house like black smoke. At first it was the whole house, and then it was a blanket that wrapped itself around me. I couldn't breathe for a long time, and I thought I was dying. My mother's old clock chimed. I heard her call out something in her sleep. Maybe she had rolled over and now lay properly on her bed. I felt the blackness enter me, wrap around my heart and soul. Something inside of me was being poisoned. I slid down to the floor and put my head in my hands. I cried for a long time, and then I got up and went to bed. When I woke up, I lay in a wet bed. I must have had an accident in my sleep. I felt the damp, cool urine. I felt empty, no love, no joy. And I realized as the warm summer air started to heat up the house that the mystery of love was gone. It had emptied out of me. Now I was just bad and worthless.